0: The truth is, God is real, the devil is real, and there is so much more going on than we may even realize, regardless if you're a believer or not, or if church is part of your regular routine, or even if you're not sure what to believe, the fact is, your life is part of a much bigger fight, a fight for our homes, marriages, classrooms, souls, and our lives. This is WAR.
1: All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Grace Life. So good to be worshiping with you guys. Do me a favor. Put your hands together. Help me welcome all of our first time guests, both in the room and online. Wow. Man. Worship is fun. I'm going to tell you what. I hope you guys online are experiencing. We pray for you to experience it. I hope you truly are because there was something happening in the room. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's called the presence of God. And if you are a guest, that is what we pray, that you experience something here that you don't experience somewhere else. We do pray that you you have a time with God in his presence. And man, that was, that was fun. I almost hate to interrupt it. But we do have a special treat for you today. So we've been doing this series on spiritual warfare. Today is part four. I've got two more to follow it up. And uh, I told you from the beginning that I had someone coming that was going to do one part of this that was special and could do it better than, than I could. And that's the reason we were going to do it this way, because I also told you that if you paid attention to the songs throughout the series, that you would sing what we were going to be preaching about every day, because we're trying to give you good spiritual warfare theology through our worship, right? Right. So did y'all catch the line today that says, when I fight, I'll fight on my knees. Come on. Yeah. Somebody's fired up about that. There you go. You know, as Christians, that's the one thing we sometimes miss is how much we need to go and talk to our father about what is going on around us. So who can talk about prayer? How about the founder and leader of a worldwide movement known as America Praise and World Praise with a vision to pray for every single human being on the planet by their name and share the gospel with them. Y'all want to talk about a small vision? I don't know. Somebody, <laughs> you think they could do anything bigger? I don't know. So anyway, look, I, I could give you all sorts of, of bios and and impressive things to say, but I, actually I want to do something different. And uh, Two things. First of all... Uh, Is My my friend Brian Allard, his wife Mercy, so glad to spend the weekend with you guys. I want to recommend, I've never done this, so if you're a part of Grace Life, you know how special this is, uh, because we have people all the time, and I never tell you what they've written. Uh, But this is Brian's new book, When People Pray, and I want to encourage you to get it for two reasons. You can go to Amazon, uh, When People Pray, again. uh, One reason is because we need to pray more, and we need to learn the power of prayer in our lives. And many of us would say, well, Jimmy, I'm not an intercessor. Prayer is not my thing. Then you need the book twice as much. Get two copies when you do it, okay, by the way? But I've, I've got another idea just for the fun of it. I, I personally would just love to show the devil something. And, and that is I would love to make a book on prayer at the top of Amazon's selling list by the time the day is over. Do y'all think we can do that, Grace Life? Can we, can we make a book on prayer number one on Amazon's list by the end of the day? Especially those of you online, so, so get busy and uh, go to Amazon, get When People Pray. But I want you to do one other thing because we're, we're talking about prayer as a part of spiritual warfare. And this movement to reach the entire world and pray for every single person by name was birthed about five years ago for Brian and Mercy. And, and during that five years, the spiritual warfare against such a, mo- a move would be intense. Can you imagine that? And so they have a daughter, Chloe, that has been, in my opinion, attacked as a part of what has been happening, she's facing some physical things and some pain things that's very, very difficult. And I've asked Brian if it's okay, because uh, I know it's going to be emotional, but I've asked him if it's okay if we just take a moment and, and pray for Chloe. And, but I also want to ask us to do something, Grace Life. This is a family thing, because Brian is, he's a sought after speaker all around the world, and he can't go everywhere, and he's here because we're family, So I want to ask you, not only are we going to pray for Chloe right now, but I want to ask you to pray for Chloe every day and every time you remember her until I tell you to stop. Can we do that? Can we do that a little more excited? Can we do that? All right, pray with me. Father God, we thank you for Brian and mercy and what you've called him to do. And right now we lift up Chloe and we pray that in the mighty name of Jesus, that you will heal her, that you will protect her. God, we know that, that there are sometimes prices to be paid for great vision. And God, we come to you and we appeal and say, may this price be paid in full for this vision. Will you set her free? Will you deliver her from from any ailment, any pain, any sickness, anything else? God, would you restore everything that the enemy thought that he was gonna get away with in Chloe's life? In Jesus' name, amen. Will everybody help me welcome Brian Allard? You are in for a treat.
0: It's not cool to make the guest preacher cry before he has to try and preach. Uh, I love Pastor Jimmy I love Pastor Ramona. Can you give it up for your pastor's day? Can we show them some love and some honor in the house today? I just thank God that I I met another brother from another mother and we're going to be family for life. And uh, we were walking out of a restaurant. I said, Jimmy, end game. And he's like, you want to be my end game? I'm like, not like the song. I'm just saying I'm a married man, but I'm just saying let's go to the end together, all right? So uh, honored to be with you. And Pastor Ben, what a joy to meet you. uh, Last night, can we give it up for Pastor Ben? And we love you, we honor you, thank you. And last but definitely not least, my beautiful wife, Mercy, Dr. Mercy. I love you and I honor you. And uh, 24 years of marriage. If Albert Einstein and Brooke Shields had a daughter, she wouldn't be as beautiful or as smart as Mercy, and so I just uh, am so grateful for uh, my, my bride, and the, my, my biggest achievement in life is that every night I get to go home with a girl that I brought to the dance, so uh, thank you for still dancing with me, Mercy. I love you, baby. We have three amazing children, Chloe, Colin, and Lauren. As Pastor Jimmy said, uh, our daughter's been suffering for five years, and uh, so, if you know that pain of a loved one with chronic pain and chronic sickness, you, you know that pain and you know that journey. And, uh, you know, I don't know anyone else through it. I, I wish that David had said, though I walk around the valley of the shadow of death. I wish he had said, though I walk over the valley, but he said, I walk through it. And there's some things that God delivers us from, there's other things that God delivers us through. That's right. And he said, I, I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but I will fear no evil because you are with me. Amen. And so uh, before we get into the, the message, I, I just want to give honor to Jesus Christ. Amen. Yes. I, I love the scene in Revelation 4 where it says the 24 elders, they're on their way to the throne room of God and they have their crowns on. And in the Bible, your, your crown was a symbol of your life's works of what you accomplished for eternity. And and just because of the way that I'm I like to visualize that they're walking in and, and Peter's like, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to brag, you know, but, but I was kind of the main evangelist of the New Testament, you know. And, and Paul's like, I planted more churches than you, you know. And uh, John's like, I was his favorite, you know what I mean? I, so, but it's okay, go ahead, guys, you know. And, and, and Moses is like, you fools, I wrote the Bible. What are you guys talking about? Abraham's like, uh, father, many, you know, you guys all came for me. Noah's like, if I hadn't built that stinking boat, none of you guys would have made it. And, uh, and they're walking into the temple. But the moment they get into the presence of Jesus, all crowns come off. Let me, let me say that again. Uh, maybe you, that The moment they get in the presence of Jesus, every crown comes down at the foot of Jesus. And they say, you alone are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you created all things and for your will and your pleasure, they were created and they exist. So can we put our crowns down, take off all your achievements, whatever you made last year or didn't make last year, whatever you've achieved or wherever you failed, can we just take one moment before we get into the Bible, the book that he wrote, and just take 10 seconds and give Jesus your biggest, baddest praise. Can we do that? Come on, all, all hands up. Those of you watching at home, come on, let's magnify. The only one worthy of glory and honor and power and praise forever and ever, the Son of God, Jesus, we love you and we honor you in your name. Come on. Come on, if you're going to give him a praise, give him a good praise. Hallelujah. Jesus, there is not like you, none above you, none beside you. You are God all by yourself. And all God's people said, amen, amen. 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 Well, stand to your feet for the reading of God's word. I'm a little old school. So if you'd stand again uh, to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, just three little verses here that I want to read with you today. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. The, the title of my message today is Pulling Down Strongholds. Look at your neighbor and say, we're going to pull down some strongholds today. All right. Now, now look at the other neighbor, the good looking one, and tell them we're going to pull down some strongholds this morning. How many of you believe that? How many believe that, that today God is going to do something in your life? There are going to be some strongholds that are going to come down today. We're going to put them, the Bible says, under our feet. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, they're going under your feet. Under your feet. All right. Come on. Give God another shout of praise as you grab your seats in the presence of God. What is a stronghold? How many of you know what a stronghold is? It's a fortified city. It's a military stronghold or a strong-walled fortress. I'll say that again. It's a fortified city, a military stronghold, or a strong-walled fortress. So think Fort Knox. When you think of this word, think of Fort Knox. Get that image in your head. Because if you don't understand what it means you not understand the spiritual metaphor that the Apostle Paul is trying to use. So there's only one time in the Bible that this word is used. It's the only time this Greek word shows up in the whole Bible, and it's translated here as strongholds. And it seems possible that the Apostle Paul is drawing upon a historical event, a very famous event that took place near his hometown of Tarsus. Paul grew up in the city of Tarsus in the region of Cilicia. And so the region of Palestine, where the nation of Israel is located, is, was a major food source at this time for the Roman Empire. And Roman trade ships filled with food and supplies would have to sail past these rocky, high cliffs in Cilicia. But in Cilicia, there were pirates, and they built these 120 strongholds. Okay, On the top of the, the rocks and the top of the cliffs, they built these strongholds, 120 of them. And uh, from there, they would launch down uh, their arrows and, and their, you know, old time bombs and fire. And they would just attack these Roman trade ships. And they, they had to pass through this area. There was no way around it. And they would attack them and plunder them. And, and these 10,000 pirates brought the mighty Roman Empire to their knees because they would try and attack back and they just couldn't penetrate these strongholds. And so it got so bad that in 67 BC, 67 years before the coming of Christ, that the Roman Empire, the, the Senate commissioned General Pompey to actually come up with a strategy and build a naval fleet to defeat these 120 military strongholds led by these 10,000 pirates of Cilicia. It's a true story. I'm not making this up, boys and girls. This is a true story, okay? And so uh, what they did, what, what Pompey thought of, what he envisioned was, was two things. And so he had two weapons that he used, two strategies that he used. And so the first thing that he did is he, on all these ships, he put grappling hooks on them and they would sail up to the rocks, to the cliffs, and they would launch these grappling hooks uh, into the strongholds to the base of them. And then they would sail the other way and pull them down. Okay. Pulling down strongholds. It's so what they did, grappling hooks. So so don't think of like Batman and Robin, like remember the 60s TV show, and they were like yellow, and uh, no, not that. All right? Like, We're talking about the real grappling hooks, okay? And they would pull down the strongholds, and then they would have Roman soldiers at the bottom of the cliffs, at the bottom of the strongholds, with swords. Two weapons, grappling hooks and swords. And so as they would try and escape, the Roman soldiers would be there with swords, and they would kill them. And it only took three months. In three months, with the right weapon and the right strategy, I wish somebody would help me preach today, with the right weapon and the right strategy, they defeated these 10,000 pirates and pulled down all 120 strongholds. It's a true story. And and it happened right near Paul's hometown. And so he would have heard the story from his grandpa and his dad. He would have heard the story of what happened there. And uh, it seems like he's pulling on this military word because it's the only time it shows up in the Bible. So do you have that in your head? Do you have that mind? There were, there were two weapons. What were they? Remind me. They were grappling grappling hooks. And all right, now just tuck that away because that'll mean something in a few minutes. And so let's go back to second Corinthians again, chapter 10. Now with this understanding Let's read this passage again. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or natural, but they're mighty in God for doing what? Say it with me, for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Amen. So two main questions. What are the strongholds we got to pull down and what weapons do we use? There's two main questions that we got to answer from this text. What are the strongholds and what are the weapons? Everybody, are you still awake? Are you still tracking with me? If you're still awake, just give Jesus another shout of praise. It's okay. The Bible says if we don't praise him, come on, the rocks are going to cry out. All right. So what are the weapons and what are the strongholds? Now, when the Bible talks about strongholds, there's two... Uh, kind of main strongholds. What are spiritual strongholds? Spiritual strongholds that can exist in your city, uh, in your state, in your region, or in your nation. You go to different cities, and, and they're known for different things. You go to some cities, and they're number one for, for human trafficking. You go to another city, and it's number one for violent crime. You go to another city, and they're number one for this. And so uh, there are spiritual strongholds that operate. The Bible says that, that there is a real devil. Hello? All right. Uh, and there are real demons yep. and that that's a, a world that exists and that the, the devil's like a roaring lion looking to get prey any moment that he can. So that, that is real. There are spiritual strongholds that can exist in a city of violence. You go to some cities and it's just like there's a spirit there of violence. Are you tracking with me today? Yeah. But the second type of stronghold are personal strongholds. And that's what I want to focus on today. I want to focus on personal strongholds that, that probably many of us here today might have. We might have some strongholds in our life. What are personal strongholds, okay? Here's what they are. They're demonically inspired thoughts. Personal strong, according to the Bible, not according to Brian Allard. What I, what I say has no bearing on anything. But what does the Bible teach? The Bible teaches that that personal strongholds are thoughts, demonically inspired thoughts, They want to drive a wedge between you and God. They want to separate you from obedience to Christ, His Word, and His purpose for your life. Are you still tracking with me today? Are you, are you working with me? Okay. Are, Are we on the same page? All right. So they're, they're demonically inspired. They, they didn't come from you. There's only three sources in the whole universe. Either they come from God or the devil or the human spirit. And the human spirit's a secondary source. Because we're either being influenced by God or being influenced by the devil. So you could say really there's two sources. So they're demonically inspired thoughts. So it's not that you probably have an ugly little demon just hanging out in your head, okay? Now though th- you might. I've met people that have, okay, so but that's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a thought that it was demonic in its inception, that takes root in your head. And you begin to think it. You begin to meditate on it. You begin to own that thought and you think it's your own thought. And what that thought does, what does it say? We cast on every imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. It begins to exalt itself, that thought, against the knowledge of the Holy One. Thoughts like, well, it's okay, you know, if we sleep together because, you know, we love each other. And we're gonna get married in three months. Watch out. So it's, yeah, I I know it's wrong, but it's not so bad, you know, on a scale of Hitler or, you know, a little sex before marriage. I mean, we're not like real bad, you know? So we start to justify things, self-image thoughts like, I'm not beautiful. No one's ever going to really love me. Those are demonically inspired thoughts and and the Satan is a master and scepter and he comes and he puts that, that thought in your mind and he does it so sneaky that you think it's your own. Because if a loud alarm went off that said, Warning, Satan approaching, (laughs) he's about to put a thought in your head, like most of us would reject it. I I wish that were the case. It doesn't work like that. Genesis chapter three that explains how the the devil's playbook, his playbook hasn't changed in 6,000 years of human history, and yet we're still falling for it. It's like he's got one play. (laughs) And we know the play and we still fall for it. What's the play? Genesis three, he comes to Eve and and says, you know, did God really say you can't eat of that tree? What's he doing? He's sowing doubt. It's a thought that's beginning to take root in Eve's heart and mind that's exalting itself against the knowledge of God. God didn't really say that you would die, did he? She's like, no, he did. (laughs) He said, if we eat that fruit, we're gonna die. He goes, you're not really gonna die God's, God's not gonna kill you. You're not really gonna die. And, and he goes, because God's holding out on you. He is? Oh yeah, God's holding out on you. Because God knows that the moment you eat that fruit, I mean, why did he create that tree if it wasn't for you to eat? I mean, why would God create one tree and you can't? I mean, why would he do that? What, what's in that tree? What's in the fruit? You're gonna become like God. God doesn't want you to be like him. And she, the devil begins to sow this thought that she ruminates on, that she meditates on, and it becomes her own thought, and then it becomes Adam's thought, and it drives a wedge between them and God. That's how strongholds work. They're they're demonically inspired thoughts that separate you from God, that separate you from your spouse. What happens in marriages every day of the week? The devil plants thoughts that drive a marriage apart. Every day the devil's busy dividing families because he sows thoughts. My dad doesn't really love me. That's a demonically inspired thought. My mom doesn't really care about me, demonically inspired thought. Man, I I hate my brother because he's a jerk, demonically inspired. And the devil begins to destroy families through thoughts that we've believed and thought and meditated on it own and spoken out. And so how do we defeat that? We got to pull down every thought and make it captive to the obedience of Christ and his word. Are you tracking with me today? Everybody, still with me. All right. So that's what we're talking about today. That we're talking about the mind. Where does obedience start in the mind? Where does disobedience start? Also in the mind. So your, your mind is the incubator of your actions. Let me say it again. Your mind is the incubator of your actions. Everything you do, good, bad, or indifferent, starts out as a thought. The Bible says in Proverbs 23, 7, as a man or a woman thinks in their heart, so are they. As you think in your heart, so are you. Sin and rebellion, disobedience always start out as a thought. Adultery always starts out as a thought. Anger always starts out as a thought. Why do you think those birds got so angry? Thoughts. That's how birds get angry. Half of you got that, half of you didn't. They're like, what's this guy talking about? It's uh, it's okay. That's all right. Uh, Angry birds, they come from angry thoughts. Out of the thought comes thoughts, (laughs) adulteries and murder. Cain and Abel. Cain killed Abel because he had an angry thought. He had a jealous thought. Even even before anger, jealousy is a primal emotion. The Bible says that nothing can stand before jealousy. So at the root of the Cain and Abel story really is jealousy. He's jealous that, hey, how come Abel's offering is being accepted more than mine? Why does God prefer him over me? See how that can work in a family, in a business, in a church, in a marriage, in a situation where the devil begins to drive a wedge through a thought. So everything starts out as a thought. Your mind is the incubator of your actions. And so the devil works by planting demonically inspired thoughts inside your head, but he's so sneaky that he makes you think they're your own. And so we have to pull down these thoughts and bring them captive to the obedience of Christ. Are you with me today? Come on, give Jesus a mighty shout of praise. So what was our definition of stronghold? A fortified city, a military stronghold, a strong-walled fortress. So here's how the devil works. You give him access through your thoughts. How does the devil get in your life? You give him access because if you're born again, you belong to God. You're a child of God. He's, he's trespassing, but you're allowing him on your property. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. On. This morning, the devil's trespassing in many of your marriages and many of your families through thoughts that you're thinking. And yeah, you've given him space to operate. And what does he do? He's a builder. Satan's always been a builder from the beginning of time. He's a, he's a builder. He builds things. He's building a strong wall of fortress inside your head. So before you know it, you think the wrong thoughts, you think jealous thoughts, you think angry thoughts, you think lustful thoughts. Before you know it, he's got the castle of Mordor inside your head. And from within inside your head, he's attacking you. It's like the nuclear warheads are pointed back at your castle. It's like, I'm gonna just blow myself up. That's what the devil does. The devil's operating inside your heart and your mind because you've allowed him in through thoughts. Listen, there are real demons. I've encountered them. (laughs) I've come face to face with witches and warlocks and that's no fun. I'm telling you that those things are real. But honestly, please listen. The biggest threat, listen to me, the biggest threat to your destiny and your future as a child of God, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, the biggest threat to your future in Christ are your own thoughts. Help me out today. The biggest threat to your future are your own thoughts. Can I get at least one amen in the house today? You know, amen is just a Greek word that means your preacher. I dig what you're saying. And so if you dig what I'm saying, you can just say amen. It's okay. All right. So Walt Kelly said, we've met the enemy and he is us. We've met the enemy and he is us. The enemy without is not nearly as dangerous as the enemy within. There's an African proverb that goes like this. When there's no enemy within the enemies outside cannot hurt you. Let me say it again. Yeah. Oh, that's right. yeah. When there is no enemy within the enemies outside cannot hurt you. Your internal enemies are thoughts that you're thinking that are exalting themselves against the knowledge of God. And we got to bring them captive to the obedience of Christ. Bad thoughts, negative thoughts, thoughts like why'd he get a new car? I remember a time in our life when we weren't, pro- listen, I, I've been rich and I've been poor and I ain't gonna lie, rich is easier. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even gonna try and spiritualize that and make it like st- sounds. St- no, we all, I'm not saying it's better, I'm saying it's easy. If you don't gotta worry about your mortgage, come on. If you don't gotta stress out every week about the bills, life gets a little bit easier. I'm not saying it's better, but it is easier. I've been rich and I've been poor, but there was a time when we weren't prospering And everybody around us, like everybody on our church staff got like new cars, you know what I mean? And we're driving this piece of junk, you know what I mean? And my kids are like, dad, how come everyone around us is getting like brand new cars? You know, people, you're like, how did you get a brand new BMW? You know what I mean? I know what you make. How did you get it? You know, and you're just like, oh, my, you know, my grandma died and she left me a BMW. I'm like, I want my grandma to die, you know, and leave. Father, take her home. She's lived a long life, Lord. She she deserves a reward from the Father. Please take her home in Jesus name. I mean So what are what are the enemies we're battling? 2 Corinthians 10 for though we walk in the flesh we do not war according to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they're mighty in God to doing what to pull down strongholds, casting down arguments of every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So what are the strongholds? They're thoughts. And thoughts turn into habits. Habits can turn into addictions, but they always start out as a thought. That's right. That's right. So we want to pull those down. So just in closing this morning, there's two weapons that the Bible gives us, two primary weapons. And they're the same weapons that General Pompey used. The first weapon was what? The grappling hook. The grappling hook. That didn't even make any sense. I'm not through what I just did, mercy. That, that hand moved. In my head, <laughs> in my head, that looked a lot better. Like I could imagine the General Pompey, the, but I don't even know what I just did with my hand. So never mind. don't pay attention. <laughs> we can rewind that on the live stream. That'd be nice. So uh, grappling hooks that they, they, They hurled towards the cliffs. That's prayer. Because prayer can elevate you and take you places that you can't get on your own. Are you with me today? Prayer gets to places of your heart, places of the mind, places of your spirit that you can't get to. They couldn't reach him, but with the grappling hooks, they could reach the stronghold. So prayer is a weapon that helps you get to places that you can't not get there on your own human strength. Are you with me today? Prayer is such a powerful weapon. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, that having done all, stand and pray always in the spirit. Having done all, when you've done all that you can do, do what? Stand and pray. Stand and pray. The garden, what does Jesus say? Could you not watch with me at least an hour? Like I'm having the worst day of my life and you guys are taking a nap, right? Some friends you are. Could you not watch at least an hour? So I want to challenge all of you to pray an hour a day, not out of religion. I hate religion, not out of duty, but out of delight. Yeah. Nobody has to make me spend time with my wife and kids. I, I crave all the time I get with them. When you love somebody, you want to be with them. If you love Jesus, come on, you're going to want to spend time. So not out of discipline. Don't count the minutes. When you're with someone you love, you don't got to count the minutes, right? They're like, oh man, it's been three hours. We got to go. When we were downtown, Jimmy, and three hours later, it's like, yeah, we probably should get going because we just enjoyed being together. Be with Jesus and pray and let the Spirit speak to you. And it's more about, prayer is more about listening than talking. Listen, if you're doing all the talking in prayer, you're a conversation hog. And nobody likes the conversation hog, right? What do you do when you see them coming? You like walk down different hallways. I mean, remember one time I was on staff at a church where we had one of those guys and like I would see him, I would walk down on different, I would go outside the building, walk all the way around to come back to my office. i like, oh no, it's like, you can never have a two minute conversation with him. It's like, Brian, how you doing? Hey man, I'm running to the studio. But can I tell you about, it? no, you can't. I'm gonna tell you anyway. Okay, all right, I guess so, you know. We do that with God. God, I need a new car. He's like, you really don't. You don't take care of the one I gave you, you know. I like, God, I, 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 Lord, I need more money. My boss doesn't pay me. And like, God's like, you show up late every day. Why would he pay? I, would, I wouldn't even pay you what he's paying you. You know, you're just like, God, I need a better house. No, you don't. You know, and you just, you, you complain. You tell God all these things. The Bible says he knows what you need before you speak it. Right. Like, you didn't tell, not going to ever tell God anything he didn't know. And we give God our complaint list, and then we're like, okay, in Jesus' name, amen. Because the only way to close a prayer in America is if you say amen. Right? And so you like close the prayer time in Jesus' name, amen. We're done. And God's like, Yeah, I got nothing out of that. Hope you did, because I got nothing out of that. Prayer is about intimacy. Yeah. It's about being with Jesus. Prayer is about having an intimate conversation. See, prayer, prayer is supposed to be a conversation. A dialogue, not a monologue, but we've turned prayer into a monologue. We do all the talking. Listen, what God has to say to you is infinitely more important than what you have to say to Him. So, our first weapon, like Pompey used to pull down strongholds, is prayer. So, I want to challenge all of you this week could you do it for a week? Spend an hour every day in prayer with Jesus. In the car, I mean, my my favorite prayer place used to be my office, and then I had kids, and they invaded my office. There were Legos all over my floor that pierced through my shoes. And I'm like, what in the heck? How did you, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so now my favorite place to pray is my car. I get in my Suburban and I pray and I just drive and I pray. I am challenge each of you this week, do it for a week. If you do it for a week, you're gonna wanna, wanna do it the rest of your life because Jesus is so contagious. He's so beautiful. You've never been with a person like Jesus. You've, you've never been with someone more beautiful, more loving, more compassionate, more honest. More faithful, more loyal. So, I want to give each of you a grace life, a challenge. We spend an hour a day. The second weapon that they used were the swords. What does the Bible say is the sword? The sword of the Spirit, Ephesians six seventeen, is what it's the bi belly. The word of God is the sword. So, first we use prayer to attack these thoughts. But it's not just by targeting thoughts; it's by changing what we're meditating on. Meditate on Jesus. Stop thinking the wrong thoughts. Start thinking about Jesus and his beauty and his purity. And I tell you what, impure thoughts start to go away. Start to meditate on the beauty, the kindness of Jesus, angry thoughts start to go away. Listen, in the presence of Jesus, it's the Bible says in God's presence, Psalm 6 11 is fullness of joy. In his presence is everything that you need. And number two, use the word of God, but it's not by quoting the Bible. Uh, the Bible doesn't say it's the, the quoters of the Word are blessed, right? The Instagrammers of the Word. Pastor, I posted my two Bible verses today. Yeah, but then you cussed your kids out. What you talking about? You know what I mean? Hello. It got real in here real quick. Yeah. <laughs> Bible says, blessed are the doers of the Word. James 1.22, don't merely listen to the Word, but obey it. Don't merely listen to the Word and deceive yourself but do what it says. It's the doers of the word that are blessed. Come on. So the second weapon is obedience to the word. I was taught growing up, the second weapon was the Bible. But it's not the Bible, it's obedience to the word. Come on, the word of God will work if you work it. Come on, somebody. The word of God will work it if you work it. It'll work for you, but you gotta work it. You got to put it into practice. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 24, if anyone hears my word and obeys it, puts it into practice. You don't need to read one more marriage book. You need to start doing nice things in your marriage. Put into practice what you already know. The biggest gap in the world is the gap between what you know and what you do. You're not using most of what you already know. You're not using most of what you already know. So start using what you already know. Put it into practice. And as you begin to obey the word of God, strongholds will break in your marriage. Strongholds in your family will break. Strongholds in your life will break as you begin to obey the word. Stand to your feet this morning. walk in obedience to God's word listen you have nothing to fear nothing to hide nothing to prove and nothing to lose let me say that again when you walk in obedience to the word you have nothing to fear nothing to prove nothing to hide and nothing to lose when we talked about dates for coming out I really felt like this was the weekend we were supposed to be here knowing that during this time, my daughter would be hospitalized. But I knew that I had to be here. I knew that God wanted to visit Grace Life this morning. Today's not about me. It's about your encounter with Christ. I believe that God wants to help you this morning. Pull down some strongholds in your life. Some thoughts that maybe the enemy planted 15 years ago, 20 years ago. So I wanna invite you this morning just to take a few minutes and say, Christ, are there any thoughts in my life, any strongholds in my life, any lies that I believed? Father, expose them today. Thoughts about yourself that you're never going to make it. That somehow you're cursed. Somehow you're never going to get that. No matter how hard you try, you never. That's a lie. It's a lie from the enemy. The Bible says, "With God before you, who could ever be against you?" That's a lie. Lies about your marriage. He's never gonna change. She's never gonna change. I I should get out while I can. That's a lie from the enemy. Lies about your children that you've believed and you've reinforced. God wants to break every stronghold this morning in the name of Jesus. So I want you just to close your eyes, lift up your hands to heaven. Take two minutes and say, God, are there any strongholds in my life? Any demonically inspired thoughts that are exalting themselves against the knowledge of God? Are there any demonically inspired thoughts? Negative thoughts? Lustful thoughts, angry thoughts, proud thoughts, jealous thoughts? Are there any thoughts in my life that are that are separating me from Christ and from His purpose for my life? What lies have you believed? What lies have you believed? After Satan deceived, sowed thoughts into Eve's heart and mind and into Adam, Jesus appears and says, who told you you were naked? Who you've been listening to? What lies have you believed? So I wanna pray for you. Just ask God to open your heart, show you what those are he wants to break them this morning. Strongholds are coming down. God said, go to, North, go to South Carolina. Go to Grace Life because strongholds need to come down on May 2nd. So God, today we believe your word. You're not a man that you can lie that once you speak a thing. God, your word says you're watching over your word to perform it. So God, watch over your word this morning to perform it. Pull down. Every stronghold in Jesus mighty name. God right now all across this room break every stronghold. Every stronghold. Everybody say Jesus. Come on say his name like you love him. Say Jesus. I believe that you have the power. Come on you have the power to break every stronghold every chain in my life. See, the Bible says it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. The anointing of God is here this morning to break every chain, to break every yoke, to break every addiction, every stronghold this morning is gonna be broken. But Galatians 5.1 says it was for freedom that Christ set you free. Now walk in your freedom. So grace life, he's gonna set you free, but then you gotta walk in it. Walk in your freedom in Jesus' name. Come on, put your hands together. Give Jesus a mighty shout of praise. And I don't want to end today without giving you an opportunity if you're here and you say, I don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. I want to give you this opportunity, not asking you to join a church, not asking you to join a religion not asking you to, to, to join a political party. The Bible says all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's, that's how powerful the name of Jesus is. That if you just call on him, you get in. It's really that simple. We complicate it. But I want to uncomplicate it for you this morning. If you call upon Jesus, you will be saved. That's what the Bible says what so the Bible says that if you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. The Bible says their salvation is found in the name of Jesus. There's no other name given under heaven whereby men and women and children are still being saved, but the name of Jesus. There's two things you got to do. You got to believe it and you got to confess your sin. You got to believe that he is who he said he is and you got to confess your sin. That's it. Believe and repent. There's just two things. Salvation is free. It's what Jesus did on the cross for you. you got to believe it and you got to just confess and man up and say, you know what, I'm a sinner and I need Jesus. Maybe you've never done that or maybe you've done it in the past and then you've fallen away from God. You're not walking with God today and you know it. Nobody has to tell you. But you know in your heart right now you're not living right. You're not living for God. Maybe today you wanna rededicate your life to Christ. Today is your opportunity for everybody watching at home. This is your moment. This is your hour. This is your time to come home to Jesus. He's saying, come home. Come home, son. Come home, daughter. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter who you've become. I love you. Come home. The Bible says, when the father saw the prodigal son afar off, he ran to him. Today, God is running to you because he loves you. Listen to me, if you remember one thing today, remember this, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. He loves you relentlessly. He loves you passionately. He loves you unconditionally. Jesus is head over heels in love with you. So I'm gonna count to three, and if that's you right where you're at, you just, I'm gonna ask you to say a prayer with me. Can you do that? I'm gonna count to three, and if that's you right where you're at, you just say this prayer with me. All right, here we go. Everybody everybody just close your eyes, give everybody privacy. I'm going to count to three. And if that's you, you say, Brian, I want to give my life to Jesus for the very first time, or I want to come home to him today. I want to rededicate my life. You're watching at home. You can feel the spirit of God over you right now. You can feel this conviction, this gentle conviction of God calling you home. This is your moment. One, here we go. Two, three, right where you're at. Just raise your hand. That's you. Just raise your hand with every eye closed. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Say, I want to make Jesus my Lord and Savior today. This is your moment. Thank you. Thank you. Those of you watching at home, this is your moment. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. You can you can open your eyes. I want all of us to say this prayer together. Everybody, say Jesus. Come on, say His name like He died for you. Come on, say Jesus. I believe you are the Son of God, the only way to heaven. I believe you died on a cross for my sins, but three days later, you rose from the dead and became the Savior, come on, of the world. Today, I confess my sins to you. Forgive me, change me, cleanse me. Give me a new heart. In Jesus' name, I pray. I'm ready to live for you. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. Come on, no turning back. In Jesus' name, I pray.
1: Come on, all across. Come on, dear Jesus.